I love to sit and look through those holy pages And read about the eternal rock of ages See all that God has done, the battles he has won The great prophecies unfold In every book from Genesis to Revelation I see his loving grace and this great salvation Brings courage to my soul, for I know he's in control. I believe every word is true. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious... It's time now for the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. So get your Bible, a pen, and your Bible study notebook as we journey through the truths of God's Word. And now with today's Timeless Truth, here's Pastor Walton. Luke's Gospel, chapter number 20. Luke's Gospel, chapter number 20. Well, these events that are coming up to us now are coming after the triumphal entry that we had or the first Palm Sunday that we talked about last week in our teaching Timeless Truth. And what we see here now is after all of this wonderful lauding of him, of who he is, and all, here come the critics. They're coming out of the woodwork. We're going to see in this chapter all kinds of different people coming against Jesus Christ. And the first thing that comes is an assertion of who do you think you are? Where do you get your authority to do, to say the things that you say? Now watch what they do when they start questioning him and Christ turns it back on them with a question. And I can tell you, and you've heard me say that Christ and our God loves to do questions. You know, when Adam and Eve sinned and ran and hid themselves, God said, Adam, where are you? I'm over here hidden. Why are you doing that? Because I'm naked. Who told you that? Did you eat? He's always asking questions and they're convicting. Well, it came to pass in verse number one of chapter 20, that on one of those days as he taught the people in the temple. So get the picture. He's in the temple teaching the people who are wanting to hear him. And he preached the gospel. Thank God for the gospel. The chief priests and scribes came upon him with the elders. So we got a whole group of people that are in some kind of authority. And they spake unto him saying, Tell us by what authority doest thou these things or who is he that gave thee this authority? Now, there's two questions here. And, and they asked it as a either or. Tell us, where do you get the authority? What authority do you have to do this? Where did you get it from? Or tell us who gave it to you? Now, what this is, is this is Jesus preaching the gospel and a group of religious leaders that want to ignore the gospel despite the fact they know the Old Testament. They are in total unbelief, and they have no desire to know the truth that will set them free. And so they ask this question, and Jesus answers them and says, I will ask you one thing and answer me. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or of men? Now, I love this because what Jesus did is he put him between a rock and a hard place. See, they reasoned within themselves, verse 5, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say, why then believed ye him not? Well, how come you didn't believe if, if you believe it came from heaven? And if we say of men, all the people stone us, because uh, for they be persuaded that John was a prophet. So they're kind of like, okay, we, we got the people here. He's teaching, and they believe John's a prophet. 
So we can't say of men because of the people. In other words, they want to save face. They do not want to come across as being somebody that they can be have a finger pointed to. They're the religious crowd. They're going to stand up. The Pharisees, you know, they were so stout people. And, and then we got the scribes here. And we got the chief priests in this one and elders. And they're sitting there saying, what are we going to do with this guy? Tell us, where do you get this authority and who gave it to you? Well, I'll just ask you a question. Baptism of John, where did it come from? Was it of heaven or of men? Well, you can't say heaven because they'll say, well, you didn't become part of it. You don't seem to want to be part of what it's all about. If we say of men, the people here are going to go crazy, and they're going to think about stoning us because they believe he's a prophet. So what they do is they look at him, and I would have been there. If I'd have been there, I thought, well, why can't they do this? But here's what they said in verse 7. They answered that they could not tell whence it was. They were not able to say what it was because they didn't want. And I would have asked that. I would have said to myself, well, why can't you answer it if I was in the audience of the people? But the leaders here are asking questions because they want to know where he gets his authority to do things. Well, where, what things was he, he was doing? Ministering to people, healing people, teaching people like a master teacher. At one point, he raised the dead. He stopped an entire funeral procession. He is preaching a totally different gospel than what they're preaching. He is preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's fixing to go do. They're not interested in that, and even though they should know their scriptures. They should have known who he was. He's talking about dying and fulfilling the scriptures. He's talking about rising again, which we saw. And we see all these things that he's doing, and they are... They are trying their best to figure out how to stop him by getting him to say, where do you get this authority so they can debunk it? And he turns it on their heads and has them just shut down. So the Lord Jesus says in verse 8, neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. Now that prompts Christ then to give a parable, which is a story that is going to have a lesson in it. And he begins this parable by saying, a certain man planted a vineyard. And led it forth to a husbandman, and went into a far country for a long time. And at the season he sent a servant to the husbandman, that they should give to him of the fruit of the vineyard. But the husband beat him, and sent him away empty. And again he sent another servant. And they beat him also, and entreated him shamefully, and sent him away empty. And again he sent a third, and they wounded him also, and cast him out. Then said the Lord of the vineyard, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. It may be they will reverence him when they see him. But when the husband saw him, they reasoned among themselves, saying, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, that the inheritance may be ours. So they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. What therefore shall the Lord of the vineyard do unto them? He shall come and destroy these husbandmen, and shall give the vineyard to others. And when they heard it, they said, God forbid. And he beheld them and said, what is this then that is written? The stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. Whosoever shall fall upon that stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. And the chief priests and the scribes the same hour sought to lay hands on him, and they feared the people, for they perceived that he had spoken this parable against them. Congratulations. <laughs> you got it. That's exactly what he did. And he makes it very clear in that passage what it is he is saying. And, you know, the hard part is that they never once wanted to get it. Here God uses a 
of a vineyard. He planted a vineyard. You know that there's a lot of verses on that. You go back to Isaiah 5, and it talks about this vineyard. And he says, this is what I did to it. And then he says this in Isaiah 5, what more could have been done that it would have brought forth grapes instead of wild grapes? What more could I have done? I did everything possible, and yet it brought forth wild grapes. Talking about Israel. And so we see this parable. A certain man planted a vineyard. So there is a vineyard that is being planted. And time comes that he wants to see what the fruit is. So he sends to the farmer, the guy who works the land, the husbandman, that they should give him the fruit of the vineyard, but they send him away empty. Didn't give him anything whatsoever to take care of that. Then the second thing that we see is they send us another one. And on this one, they beat him and entreated him shamefully. And then what happened? They sent a third, and they wounded him also and cast him out. What did God send when he was talking about all the things that he would do? Well, he sent all kinds of people. He sent prophets. We had prophets in the days of the, uh, even before the king, there was prophets. There were prophets that would prophesy. We see back in Israel's time when there was the striking of the post and the door, all that for the blood. The angel would pass over when they were leaving Egypt. We see the picture of salvation. We see the deliverer, Moses. We see all kinds of pictures in Isaac, who is going to be quiet while his dad straps him down to kill him. We see in Abraham a picture of God the Father willing to to kill his only begotten son. We see Isaac the silent son willing to take the punishment. We see all kinds of wonderful pictures, all kinds of teachings. We see Isaiah 52 and 53, where it talks about the detail, the goriness of the Lord's death and burial. We see his virgin birth. We see all of these things. But guess what? What we don't see in these people is any belief system and what they knew. And so he's telling them, we sent you these prophets, we sent you the, the priests, we sent you all of these people to bring the word of God over and over again. And now I'm here. See, then he said, what shall I do? I will send my beloved son. God sent his only son. He sent him into this world through the manger, through the Virgin Mary, that he would grow up. And they said, it may be they will reverence him, but they did not. When they saw him, they reasoned among themselves, saying, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him. Do you not think that parable was set against them? You people are against me, the Christ, the only one that can save you and take you to heaven because your religiosity is so much more than anything else. And you want to be pious and holier than thou and have people give you the rewards down here on earth? Well, you can have your reward here on earth if you want it, but it'll die and decay and break apart and become absolutely worthless and so he says to them this is what's going to happen so they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him what therefore shall the lord of the vineyard do unto them he shall come and destroy these husbandmen and shall give the vineyard to others now i know people don't like to hear about judgment they don't like to hear that there's going to be a judgment day coming. They think God's a God of love and he's never going to do anything. But I will remind you that his very essence is holiness and his holiness must be satisfied for you and I to make it to heaven. Therefore, based on that, 
Here's what has to happen. We have to have something that satisfies God's holiness. And it was the death, burial, and resurrection of his son where he took on us our sin and imputed Christ's righteousness unto us. And I don't get in on my righteousness, which are still as filthy rags. I get in on his righteousness. Therefore, those who are like this group here who say, I do not need or want Jesus Christ, they are the ones that have in their heart killed him. Now, they are going to literally put Jesus to death, but there are a lot of people that have put Jesus to death in their heart. They've said no to the Holy Spirit. They've stepped over God's deadline. I don't know when that deadline is. God knows. But there is a place where God gave them up, God gave them up, then God gave them up over to a reprobate mind there will come a place that you step over and you will have killed the son in your heart there will be nothing that can be done and so he said god will come and he will destroy them he told him listen which of the prophets have you not your fathers persecuted and they have slain them which showed up before the coming of the just one of whom you have now been the now whom of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers in Acts chapter 7, verse number 52. You see, there were all kinds of, in chapter 23 of Matthew, wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them ye shall scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, the son of Barachias, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are set unto thee. How often I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her brood. But you would not. You would not allow me to do that. That is the key. Oh, I'm telling you, be careful, be careful, be careful. The Bible talks about judgment days coming. He said there were times in the Hebrews Hall of Faith, there were people that did great wondrous things and were delivered. But then there was this little phrase that says, and others. And then he adds this, had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, for they were sawn asunder. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. That's the things that they did. So we see that there is coming a day of judgment, and God will be right to judge because they have rejected God's Son. They have rejected the Son of God. So we get down to verse number 13 here, and he said, uh, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him. So they cast him out of the vineyard, and they killed him. What therefore shall the Lord of the vineyard do? He will come, and he will destroy that vineyard. He will destroy the husbandmen, these husbandmen, and give the vineyard to others. That is the hardcore truth that people need to get hold of. Judgment is pronounced. The crime is a tragic crime. They were rebellious towards the Lord. They were rebellious to the point of unbelief. The sin that sends a man to hell is unbelief. There is total unbelief. And we see here, he came unto his own, 
John 1, 11, and his own received him not. Talking about the Jews. So we see the judgment coming. And he beheld them and said, what is this then that is written? The stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. He's talking about the one foundation that is Jesus Christ. For other foundation can no man lay than his leg, which is Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 3.11. And he talks about in Ephesians 2.20, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. There is that precious stone. He's talking about himself, the stone which the builders rejected. You rejected what you knew in the Word of God. First uh, Peter 2, 4 and 5, to whom Christ coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. The rejected stones, destructive power. Look what it says. He says here that they, whosoever shall fall upon that stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. Wow, what an incredible statement. Yeah, how far do you want to go? How bad do you want it to be? Well, if you want to be that way, you let that stone fall on top of you in judgment and see what happens. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken in pieces, but upon whoever it falls, it will crush, winnow him, scatter him, butter him, take him out of this life totally in judgment. The Bible makes it clear the wicked shall fall by his own wickedness. Proverbs 11.5. And this is one that is for today. Jeremiah 6.15. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. That's, a, that's about as big as it gets today. Therefore they shall fall among them that fall. At that time that I visit them, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. We see in that verse, judgment, judgment coming. And the chief priests and the scribes the same hour sought to lay hands on him that they feared the people because they thought, hey, you know what? He spoke this against him. So you know what they did? Verse 20, they watched him and sent forth spies, which should feign themselves just men. They're going to pretend to be righteous men, that they might take hold of his words so that they might deliver him unto the power and authority of the governor. So they slip in like Jesus isn't going to know this. He's all-knowing. He didn't give up his attribute of being all-knowing. He saw Nathaniel under the tree, way far away. He knowing their thoughts. He knows what's going on. In fact, he's going to say it here in just a moment. And they come in, and they sneak in, and they're right there, pretend like they're the just people that want to hear him. They ask him, verse 21, Master, we know that thou sayest and teachest rightly. Yeah, uh-huh, right. Neither acceptest thou the person of any, but teachest the way of God truly. So we have a question for you. Is it lawful for us to give tribute unto Caesar or no? But listen to this. But he perceived their craftiness and said unto them, Why tempt ye me? Show me a penny. Whose image and superscription hath it? They answered and said, Caesar's. And he said unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things which are God. And they could not take hold of his words. (laughs) before the people and they marveled at his answer and they held their peace he shut them up they 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 were slipping in they might take hold of his words but verse 26 says they could not take hold of his words they couldn't do it why 
because they marveled at his answer. He had a good answer, and they just were just incredibly dumbfounded. Now, of all this, another group shows up that doesn't like Jesus, and they're even worse than the Pharisees because they don't believe in angels. They don't believe in the resurrection, so they come to him with another question that is they think is going to stump him. So then come, verse 27, to him certain of the Sadducees, which deny that there is any resurrection, and they ask him, saying, Master, Moses wrote unto us, If any man's brother die, having a wife, and he die without children, that his brother should take his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. So they go back to the Old Testament. Okay, they're right. There were therefore seven brethren. Now they're giving a little bit of a fictitious story here. The first took a wife who died without children. The second took her to wife and died childless. And the third took her in like manner, the seven also, and left no children and died. And so he says, last of all, the woman died. Therefore, in the resurrection, which they don't believe in, whose wife of them is she? For seven had her to wife. Now, my question would have been, how come seven people died in this one woman's uh, uh, marriage life here? Something might be wrong, but I, that's just the way I think. Here's what Jesus said. He said, the children of this world marry and are given in marriage, but they which shall be accounted worthy to obtain the world and the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage, neither can they die any more, for they are equal unto the angels and are the children of God being the children of the resurrection. Now that the dead are raised, even Moses showed at the bush when he calleth the Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, for he is not a God of the dead, but of the living, for all live unto him. He really lays it on the line. He says, you don't understand the scriptures. You don't understand what happens in the resurrection. And you don't understand that there's no marriage in heaven. And you don't understand, like you should have, from the Old Testament, you should have got it from the one who called him at the bush, the, you know, where he took his shoes off because he was on holy ground. He called the Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He is not a God of the dead. He's the God of the living. There has to be a resurrection. He's not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. Then certain of the scribes answering said, Master, thou hast well said. And after that, they durst not ask him any question at all. He's not getting anywhere, so they just stop. They're not being able to fix this. They're not being able to do this. So then Jesus says to the crowd, How say they that Christ is David's son? And David himself said in the book of Psalms, which the Lord gives credence to Scripture there, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. David therefore calleth him Lord. How is he then his son? Then in the audience of all the people, he said unto his disciples, Beware of the scribes which desire to walk in long robes and love greetings in the markets and the highest seats in the synagogues and the chief rooms of the feast, which devour widows' houses and for a show make long prayers. The same shall receive greater damnation. So he's asking them, a question which he doesn't give them the opportunity to answer okay what is it that you don't get if David called him Lord why aren't you calling me Lord why do you not get what David knew why don't you understand what David understood how come you don't understand the Bible you say you know the Old Testament reveals me why is it you're not getting it you, you don't understand. But he doesn't give them any t- 
time to answer whatsoever. Instead, he gives a stern warning in front of all of them, but he turns to his disciples. He directs it to the disciples, and he makes it crystal clear that you need to beware. You need to be absolutely keen-sensed, aware of, totally into what's happening. And this is an imperative, meaning it is a commanded thing. You are to beware. Secondly, it is in the present tense. Right now, you are to beware, and it's in the active voice. Actively, you are to be actively, constantly looking out for all of these things that can take you away. Be aware. Be attentive. Give heed to. Be concerned about those that are doing this. And he named them. Beware of the scribes because they are the crowd, just like the Pharisees, just like the Sadducees, that desire to walk in long robes. They love the dress, the part. They love to look different than everybody else and stand apart. And they love greetings in the markets. Oh, they just love it when people come by, you know. They love the way people greet them and how their people look up to them. That's their big thing. And they love the highest seats in the synagogues. We've already seen the parable where he said, when you're bidden to go to a wedding, sit in a lower place so they can tell you to go up higher instead of sitting in a higher place where they have to come in and embarrass you and say, friend, go down lower. Someone bigger than you has come in. But they don't do that. They seek the highest place. And Jesus noted that, if you remember back several chapters ago. He said, these people that love all of this attention on themselves, that love to have everything looking at them, what they really are doing is devouring widows' houses. And for a show, not to pray, for a show, for a pretense, they make long prayers. They make the long prayers simply for a show. They're not getting anywhere. They're not praying to any God that's getting them anywhere, anything. It's just all show, outward stuff, nothing inward. There's nothing inside going on. And he says, I'm going to tell you, the same shall receive greater damnation. Wow. Greater condemnation, a greater judgment. And the judgment is hell. They are at the end of this chapter. This is a whole bunch of critics that have come to Jesus. Now we're getting really, really close to the crucifixion. Now we're getting close to where Christ is going to find himself in unfair trials because they are getting riled up, all because they don't want to lose their stature of being in the highest seats and the greetings and all that the things that they love and have worked hard to be because they are the elite of the group and they don't need somebody coming in and changing everything. But they are going to find out, in fact, you know, they've already found out that the greater damnation has come because that crowd has died and already has spent time in the place called hell. Father, help us to realize that you are God of judgment. But thank God if we're saved, praise the Lord, <laughs> we don't have to worry about judgment. We are so thankful and so grateful that you give us that opportunity to be saved and now can know you and find ourselves in heaven. We bless you for it all in Jesus' name, amen and amen. This is Pastor Walton praying that you have an absolutely wonderful and awesome week. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. Believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his 
precious word It thrills me through and through I believe every word is true Oh, I believe every word that he said is true I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do How I love his precious word It thrills me through and through I believe every You've been listening to the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. You can send all correspondence to tttbroadcasts at gmail.com. Tune in again next week for another Timeless Truth.